This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. My Natural Hair is a podcast that shares all the information you're looking to learn about natural hair, the movement, the styles, growing your hair naturally and meeting other people part of the natural hair culture and movement. My Natural Hair is hosted by LaDonna Sims and Markeisha St. Clair from Hair Goals 313. Collectively, LaDonna and Markeisha have over 25 years of experience doing natural hair. Black Coffee is a podcast hosted by Kari Frazier and Frida Sampson Weekly. Weekly, Frida and Kari welcome guests to discuss the rich history of Black leadership, entrepreneurship, artistry, and social justice. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. The Detroit is Different Podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Oh, see, Lord, legal royalty, bars in every sentence. Get off my pretty wings, I have habitual indifference. My mind's too advanced, I do mathematics with letters. That's why my iron bit contaminator is way better. Still inside of Shakur and Hook Couture. What other rappers' metaphors serve as semaphores? Vocabs too advanced to be autocorrected. Alpha rapper of the alphabet's been resurrected. And scrabble boards on face. Running on these tracks like Florence Griffith on the chase. One limb explodes like Florence Griffith in the race. It takes less than two when I'm robbing on this base. Huh. See, I'm easy rocking. Be easy with this E like I'm straight out of Compton. One project away like I'm straight out of Tonkin. Legal eagles fly and die. These other birds are just mocking. Brain pin pad, both before lips. These other female rappers out here talking with their hips. These misguided gangsters out here talking with their clips. While these devils copyright, grab the cash and then they dip. They try to stack us up and slay boats that don't float. Penitentiaries surrounded by a moat. It's mental. You can tie a lion with a rope and he'll stay right there if he murder all his hope. But I got the antidote that will free any slaves and make runaway masters back in the days. And that turn away every day. That's the doctrine. I show them off my legs when I'm dressed down in stockings. Now convince me your life matters when that violence starts to move in the counterclockwise pattern. They hypnotize with a lot of total minds, confuse their hearts, their power will die. Gentrify their art, gentrify their block and their parts. Then protest beside them, this is all such a farce. Next we'll turn them into Mother Nature's bastards. That way they won't survive when we start coming out blasting. Have them boost their melanin, tell them mass in fashion. Take their edge and their edges, have them sow those tracks in. If they sow what they will reap, it'd be hard to wake them up once they put them to sleep. Y'all like rappers that keep you stupid Who aren't brave enough to lose their life over music Scared to teach you righteous cause they scared to be poor Maybe these cowards die off Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast You are listening to Piper Carter And our token millennial What's up Brittany? Hey Piper (sighs) What's up Brittany? How you doing? I'm doing good How's your week been? My week has been good It's the end of the year so Yeah and it's interesting. So yeah, um, if you guys listened to the last podcast, which we hope you did, um, well, this is episode thirty-five, and so um, we are doing three episodes in a row. She, 
because we're going to be going on vacation because we're going to get some self-care in and we're going to just do these next three episodes. So yeah, we want, we don't want to keep you guys right into the new year. Yeah. Like I feel like you guys are going to be at home. You're going to be with the kids. Yeah. Are you going to be wrapping gifts? If you celebrate, are you going to be setting up your Kwanzaa candles? There you go. You're going to need something to listen to. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we're going to talk about women in hip hop. Yes. But first, we got to talk about Kwanzaa. Let's talk about it. Okay. So, you know what's really interesting and taboo? Is to talk about Kwanzaa, like the controversy of Kwanzaa. Like how I just did? Like a holiday? Like, happy Kwanzaa! Well, so this is the thing. Like, growing up in an African-centered environment, home, culture, community, whatever, um, you know, it was always like, okay, well, you know... Christmas is all about black Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Which is cool because, like, you know, you celebrate and worship black Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Which is the revolutionary Jesus. It's not the little weak Jesus. Like, that's the strong Jesus that, like, flipped over the table and was like, y'all in here stealing money. Like, we ain't going, it ain't going down like that. It's funny you referenced that, but I'm listening. So the thing is <clears throat> that, you know, in the African-centered community, we always had that, like, strong Black Jesus, you know what I'm saying? That That's the revolutionary, like that's the one that, you know what I'm saying, is fighting for freedom. So then with that, you know, um, we always celebrated Kwanzaa. And so for us, Kwanzaa was all about getting into our heritage and our mm-hmm. culture. So I grew up actually celebrating Christmas and Kwanzaa. Same. And so with different family members, like would take over like whatever day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you go to be at their house. You'd be at their house and you might have made your cousins a gift. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe, you know, you were just off capitalism altogether. <laughs> but we'd always have like conversations about, you know, the universe and the world and community and building and family and culture and our identity and politics. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and then for each principle, you would... um you know, be at a different family member's house celebrating that principle. And that's what the conversation will revolve around. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is really beautiful because you're talking about unity. You're talking about self-determination. You're talking about cooperative economics. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, you know, building solidarity um, across, you know, with, with continental Africans and other black folks around the world. Um, you're talking about your faith and strengthening you know, <clears throat> your spirituality. And so with that, you're celebrating the children, you're celebrating your family, you're celebrating your black identity, mm-hmm. like unapologetically. So there's all of that, right? It's beautiful. You can feel it too. It's such a beautiful, warm, yes. cushy feeling. But you know what we never talk about? What? Dare I say it because it's such a taboo in the black community. <laughs> I'm, and it's so silly for it to, it has its place. Like, of course, these are the things that we should be doing year round. But I think it's about us actually taking the time to celebrate the things that we should do year round. Yeah. Putting them on a spotlight. But this is the thing under the guise of Kwanzaa. So, with that, we all know about Quintel Pro. Yes, I'm about to get to it. So, Kwanzaa <laughs> was started by Maulana Karanga, who it's always been rumored that 
he was a an agent or what we would call part of COINTELPRO, um, an FBI informant. And not only that, it was rumored that him as a part of the US organization, um, well, it was proven that him as a part of the US organization was involved in murdering um, Black Panthers. And so with that, um, there's the whole, you know, controversy around Kwanzaa there's that part of the controversy. There's the other part of the controversy um, where he was accused of uh, torturing a woman or several women. And um, it, it was said that they were tortured because uh, he felt that they tried to set him up. And so, yeah. So there's all of this like controversy around that. But it's like people never learn about any of that part of Kwanzaa. And it's interesting because when I'm in community and people say, you know, that um, we shouldn't talk, like the elders and things say, we shouldn't talk about that because it paints um, a negative picture about the black community, about black men, and, it'll, you know, about Kwanzaa. But for me personally, I learned about that history as an adult and it made me feel um, deceived and it made me feel like I didn't believe in Kwanzaa anymore and reject it. But um, but since but since then, you know, I'm now back to believing in Kwanzaa because for me, Kwanzaa is bigger than a, a man, a person. It's all about the principles. Yes. Um, but I do think that it is important to learn about all of our history, whether that whether that be what we would call positive or negative. One hundred percent. Because I feel that not learning about history is what keeps us ignorant. You understand what I'm saying? A hundred percent. I so, mean, it's, yeah. and it's, with us, it's really a lot of it is it's all about who's telling the story. Mm. You know, it can all of it can be told, but it's how it's told and who's telling it. So, but it, I'm with you. It's really interesting because, like, yeah, it's it's like when I have those comrades. Like, so there's comrades I have who are who always post about it and they post like lol like jokes about like Maulana Karenga because like the further you are into the African centered community like folks are like really deep like African black 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 you know it's kind of like a sarcastic thing like uh you Negroes are still practicing Kwanzaa like for real Dow. but um again yeah I think uh, well, to each his own mm-hmm. to each his own if you don't want to celebrate it because you are you feel deeply rooted into your African culture and roots then by any means don't celebrate it. Celebrate maybe you're celebrating a different uh occasion or something that's even more deeper rooted. So please share with us what those things are. If you're a listener and you <clears throat> think Kwanzaa is cliche or should not be celebrated, please share with us other celebrations throughout the year that we can partake in that uh are more centered around our African roots. And but with, with until that, then right. I will use Kwanzaa. <laughs> right. As my celebration, yeah, not for acknowledging those things, <laughs> but because I think it's important for us to one gather as a community and celebrate us celebrating them together. Well, also with that, what's interesting is when you talk to like um, continental Africans, they kind of laugh at us because they're like, "Oh, you you Americans, descendant of slaves, are just like celebrating Kwanzaa, and y'all don't know nothing about Africa," which is true. Uh, y'all don't know nothing about Africa. Y'all don't know where y'all come from. Y'all are just mixing all types of 
you know, uh, all types of stuff. I, would, all I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't but it's true. It. It's true. I wouldn't doubt it. Well, that's what Kwanzaa is, right? It's like an amalgamation of the different rituals Hyper, from around Africa. The the thing, the principles of Kwanzaa, to be honest, are mm-hmm. basic principles that any person, human being, could practice. This Again, is true. It's it, but it's a it's it's so much. It's about what you make it. Yeah. And if you choose not to celebrate it because it's so surface through how we, you know, self-determination, creativity, you don't have to, you don't have to do it. It's not that, it's not that, it's not that grand scheme of a ritual for for me to yell at a person for not wanting to partake oh, in sure. it. You know what I mean? For sure. But at the same time, I do accept the fact that there's more than just Kwanzaa and how it's yeah. given to us as this, oh, this is your African holiday, Kwanzaa. When we yeah. call consider ourselves as a society, I'm talking in society's language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you know when we're celebrating holidays, you you are to celebrate Kwanzaa. I for sure know that that. Or when we consider our, our consider ourselves diverse, we include you by mentioning that there's Kwanzaa when we mention Hanukkah and Christmas. I mm-hmm, get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, but it's interesting. It I is. mean, I don't mind being a descendant of slave and mixing like it doesn't bother me when people tell me me. that you're mixing cultures because for me my personal understanding of even being african-american descendant of slave is that we are a mixture of all of everything right so let's say like we are you know african multiple african uh tribes we are irish we are indigenous we are scottish we are you know what i'm saying we are all these things um, Dutch. And so when people tell me like, oh, you know, you guys are mutts or you guys don't have a culture or you guys don't know your culture. Duh, to me, uh, knowing to me, knowing our culture is knowing that we're the mixture of exactly. all those cultures. Exactly. That's, and, that's and, exactly and honoring it. and celebrating like all of those things that that were that make us. That's why when people look at us, they always have to ask us, like, where are you from? <laughs> they, like, yeah, they, and then you tell them to guess. They say some. They can't guess. Yeah, they could go all over the continent, all over the world to any continent, and then yeah, they can't guess. But yeah, so speaking about knowing about Africa, okay. So, last week, I learned about the span only Spanish speaking country in Africa, which is Equator Equatorial. Excuse the pronunciation if you know it. Guinea. 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 Dude, it was so awesome and such a pleasure to learn about that country. Like from the perspective of when it during that time frame when Africa was, you know, being colonized, the people that are surrounding them, mm-hmm. the French, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and how that land has like been untampered for so long and how there's people that look just like you and I that are in Africa speaking Spanish. I found that very interesting. And not only just that concept alone, that it is on, it's it's in East Africa and it's beautiful. And it so happens to be one of, it kind of hearing about it, it's kind of sounded like Wakanda a tiny bit, just how beautiful it is and how many resources it has, natural resources it has on it. I mean, you can say that about a lot of different African countries, but uh, the backstory behind it, you know, what we were just talking about, just to be completely transparent, because this is stuff that'll come up. You know, the 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 leadership of the country; it's one of the richest countries in Africa for its size, of course. Um, but the country's the poorest, 
they're not sharing the wealth the way that they should in, yeah. in the country. So not to, you know, that's not a, not to say that I learned, you know, something negative. Again, it's all in perspective. Um, many people who run the land have been taught for generations how to run the land. So um, that's just to say, I thought that was pretty awesome. It was my first time hearing about it being, being. It's Spanish. actually though in West Africa. In what you call like... Oh, my bad. I thought it was an east. No, it's actually like in what you call like the horn or part of like the top of the, the curve, horn. right? Yeah. Where it curves. Uh-huh. Where it's like right by the water. Um, yeah, the it's body. right on the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... My bad, guys. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's actually like... It's actually like... It's like West Central Africa. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like... It's like... West, it's like cent- or, I don't know if you call that Central West or like West Central Africa, but it's like right okay. on the coast... All the way west, or like under the sort of like, like that part on the west that like mm. hangs out <laughs> on just when it when the horn comes down. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's amazing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, like, I want to map out like areas to just go and visit. Yeah, I you mean, better meet some people before you go. Of course, don't be going there like no colonizer. I won't. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Show me what you know. <laughs> Can I know about all those rituals? I'm from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. Where did where, where, where the corner stow at? Shut up, Piper. I'm not that ignorant. I know. I'm just I'm just picking on you. And in, yeah. So <laughs> just picking uh, on you. You have to be so politically correct when you talk out loud these days. No, I'm not going to hold good. you up. People, it's good. You say one thing and people are like, oh, so that means I you know. this way. Yeah, it feels you. But anyway. Yeah, but that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So that we can put that on our bucket list, like places yeah. to go. We got to meet some people there first. Okay, I'll meet some people. Before we just show up. Our golf pants on. Piper, <laughs> our golf pants. Like weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> With the sweater wrapped around that. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some yeah. bird watching uh, binoculars. <laughs> the safari hat. You know? I was like, we here, we's here, y'all. <laughs> oh, my God. Or yeah. They do want us to come, though. We talked about this with Brother Daoud. Right. Right, right, right. But we digress a little bit, a lot of bit. It's all good. That was a good digression. You know what I'm saying? We got, you know, a pole folk. So that's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but we wanted to talk about women in hip hop. It's so, a lot going on. Okay. So you had some interesting <sighs> topics around that. Listeners. Uh, you know, we have, Piper, we have so many different types of listeners. It's, it's so hard to just say, like, to, to, to direct how we talk about things. Because we could offend some of our listeners, like. We have young listeners, we have older listeners, and old is very subjective. So, yeah. I mean, older listeners, but... Seasoned. Seasoned is much better. Seasoned on this herb. Yes. So, okay, so this is the thing. We'll just put out put it out there. Okay. We have no intentions to harm anyone. None. We're just having conversation. None. How's that? That's perfect. Okay, there oh we go. Oh, my God. So, there's a lot going on right now. With the mainstream women in hip hop. First of all, Cardi B, it's the end of the year, had an exceptional year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally like Cardi B. Like I, Me too. I see her and I'm not like, I don't, I'm not biased mm-hmm. just because I, if, you know, I wouldn't talk about the things that she talks about. Right. I can't really relate to the things that she's been through. Right. Two totally different paths. <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't necessarily bump her music all day long, but mm-hmm. I just see her and I, I, I very much so like her and stripper, no stripper, 
married to amigos and our amigos when I see her on TV or on social media, I think she's cool. Like I, I dig her. I but, like her authenticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like her authenticity in the sense of she is unapologetically herself. I love that. And yeah. I think that represents so much. Like mm-hmm. I think that has helped a lot of girls in general understand that it's okay to be you. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I think that's a cool connection. But the point I'm making is, is it's a, it's been a huge year because even in the mainstream hip hop, that there's been a curve in who holds the uh, mainstream number one female rapper. Mm-hmm. That, that this year was the exchange of Nicki Minaj to Cardi B in some people's eyes. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. think that they both have a place to exist. I think they represent two different things. I think it's like Biggie and Pac. Like they can exist in the same realm. There's no need to beef. Like it's actually stupid. Yeah. But I say all that to say that um, there have been a lot of female females attempting rap in the last, I'd say, four year stretch. That's good. No. It is. It's good. It's good. But. In this day and age of mainstream hip hop, the the message that's being put out, which has been the same message from a lot of mainstream women in hip hop in the past, is selling sex. I'll just leave it at that. Selling sex in a way that the topic about what the woman has to offer is her body. Um, you mentioned that was one of the things that you guys talked about in the sessions, but women talking about her body, women are talking about how her body as commodity. Yes. Um, and talking about how she's better than all other women, that she'll take a woman's man. Um, like hierarchy yeah, of identity. Yeah. And it all sounds very good over a set of 808s, trap beats. It sounds great. It sounds cool. But the world of music is also changing. It also changed this year. Uh, hip-hop's level of diversity has grown. That's good. It is good. It's more than good. It is crazy to look at the top music of the year and 70% of the music is hip hop. Yeah. And then there's this in the middle of the list, a female rapper. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say that I'm fear. I'm fearful. But I think that the conversation about expanding the type of music that we let the world know exists beyond top 40 or making other sounds and other topics that women talk about more prevalent. We need to start discussing how that happens. I'm not saying cancel Cardi B. I'm not saying cancel Nicki Minaj. I'm not saying cancel you feeling good about how great you are at sex. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, what can we do differently to change that message or to add a different message because it can be like I told you um they canceled the baby it's cold outside mm-hmm. and people are kind of like we get it it is you know oof that is a it's a tough message and then I was in a room that were full of older white men and one of the older white men's perspective was it's crazy that they canceled this song, but songs on the radio can exist about women talking about sexual advances, men talking about taking advantage of women, men and women both openly talking about drug use and sex. And that's often the same argument we have in the black community. Again, should it be canceled? 
No, but maybe we should talk about how we advertise and create a space where it's cool to talk about other things. So I would say um, one thing is that hip hop is global. So there's like the music business and then there's like the very tiny part of the music business that is radio. And it seems like it's the biggest part because their marketing is so tough. But in real life, there there's like 7 billion people on the planet and like all the other, like every continent, you know what I'm saying, has um, outlets and, and, and you know, you have the ability to like reach all these people and all these audiences. And so globally, hip hop is huge. Hip hop is a culture. Hip hop includes, you know, the the movement, the dance, the b-boy, b-girl, popping and locking, you know what I'm saying? There, there's the the art, the visual art, the graffiti. You know what I'm saying? The aerosol art. There's the, you know, the music production. There's the uh, the fashion, the journalism, the critique, the education piece. There's 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 all these other aspects. You know, and now health and wellness is like the tenth element of hip hop. So there's all these elements that make up actually hip hop as a culture, that like globally. Hip hop is this larger culture than just the music, the rappers, right? But the persona of the rapper or the phenomenon of the rapper seems as though it's big. Um, there are companies that exist. Saw on Instagram, there's like I believe it's in China, but there are companies that exist that where like it's a building with shelves all over it. It looks like the AT&T store. And there's hundreds of telephones, old used telephones that are set to the internet to stream music. And it's like whole rows might be set to SoundCloud or might be set to um, Spotify or might be set to Apple Music. And then the, and then all, that, all of those phones stay on the whole time and those songs stay on repeat. And that's how companies are able to like get their streams up you know what I'm saying so there's all these illusions and tricks that are in the business that have us believing that all Mm. these streams are true a lot of these streams in the music business aren't even true it dates back to (laughs) the old school when uh back in when people were dealing with like actual product and like purchasing cds or like purchasing like vinyl and the record labels had whole budgets just to go to record stores and just to purchase entire, um, you know, uh, shipments of a certain record just so that that store could be able to say that they sold X amount of records. Meanwhile, the record company has a budget to do this like buying this record like through you understand what i'm saying uh, yeah and not that to add it do you know how know how many times where i've been like i'm not really checking for rick ross's new album and then <laughs> it'll be like rick ross this week sold two hundred thousand copies and yeah, we review no. his album is we give it 3.9 stars out of five so i'm like Man. No, Payola's real. Maybe I need to go and get the Rick Ross album. That's what that's about. Payola's real. These um, conglomerates that have this money mm-hmm. 
have the relationships and have the power to make sure there's like a list of like 10 records and and they've turned radio or mainstream radio into syndication that's all coming from one spot in New York City where all of your taste making is going to come from when before, you know, the way radio even worked, it was different from city to city, from town to town. So you would see, you would hear the different sounds. You would see the different styles. Yes. And not to muddy the conversation, like, you know, Cardi, Cardi, we, you know, we talking about, we've mentioned Cardi B in this conversation and that's one of, you know, her pet peeves is people to say that she used payola and Cardi, Cardi, not that you're listening to this podcast or that you ever will, you know, but it's, I think that it, I think it exists so much that sometimes the artist doesn't even realize it's happening. It happens through the relationships that happen on these larger scales. So it's like the distributors and the people who are over the artists. So maybe the artists themselves aren't doing like actual payola, but once they sign on to these bigger conglomerates, it's these relationships. And the way the payola looks isn't like some guy meeting you in a back alley with a suitcase. You know what I'm saying? With an overcoat on and, yes. and a hat like in the 40s. But it's literally like the ability to like have power over, right? Like another person. So there's only so many stations that once you're music gets on those stations and you've so-called made it right so where do you go after that you have to continue to be on those stations and stay that high and that hot or disappear and come back you know and how do you maintain yourself in that disappear time you know we're in the land of way past um 360 deals like we're into streaming you know how do people even make money off of streaming yeah, like you you, you, know, you have to know that there's a not a i don't want to use the word scheme because it feels negative, but like you have to know that there, like, there's intention in behind how they get streams. Like it, the intention of selling records doesn't go away. Yeah, it just doesn't. Well, the other part is, you know, it's all of this uh, product placement and merchandising, right? And so, saying these products in your music, um, being endorsing these products on your Instagram. I always wonder how that worked. Being in your being in these commercials and in these films and doing these little snippets and being attached to these brands and doing these performances and aligning with these clothing labels. Like clearly your money's not coming from the music that you make in the sense of like selling units. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. So it's all these other aspects um that are important to that so with that there's a whole world out there for artists to be able to get their product straight to the consumer yeah right Mm -hmm. and so how do you get the consumer's attention yeah because all these other um stars if you will have the support behind them and so those machines are the machines that are going to be able to allow them to have um, a high level of distribution and a high level of visibility, meaning that they can get them on these radio shows so that those people are talking about them in a way where people are like, hmm, this is a person I need to pay attention to. They're getting them in these music magazines that make sense or that have weight or value in the community for people to say, hmm, such and such said, 
that this is a, a great record. So this is something I'm going to pay attention to. Um, they're able to align with these products that people are familiar with. So it's like, hmm, that product, um, you know, I know that product. Oh, that artist has elevated to the level of that product. Okay, wow. So there's that part. But then there's the other part where um, because they have that level of visibility, then that's how many more people that they're able to reach. Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessarily that that artist is great or amazing. It's just that um, part of the allure of music and and that whole thing is that you're participating in a culture that's new. You're up on the next new thing. You're a part of the new. And so that's what we worship is youth worship, youth culture, and newness. True. And so that's what is really represented. Like these Balenciaga jeans, you know what I'm saying? Made out of like gold that I can't even sit down in or, you know what I'm saying? Like just ridiculousness that is sold to us, right? Where none of this stuff is actually like actually attainable, but it's made as aspirational so that consumers are stuck in this ever or never ending, you know, wanting to be better than where they are right now. And so you, so it's like a circle, right. Mm -hmm. Of getting stuck in that conundrum because the consciousness is that you've always got to buy something. You've always got to be a consumer. It's like you get on that wheel and it's like the wheel of capitalism. So once you step off of that wheel and you step into like this other world, and you're stepping into like the larger universe and a larger world, you'll be able to see that there's a whole nother, like there are multiple markets around the world for the artist to go straight to the, the fan or straight to the consumer, if you will, or straight to the person, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's more difficult. It's like, it's more work, but, um, but like, that's the space where a lot of artists can live and have control over their content, control over their um, what it is they want to, you know, the music that they want to make. You know what I'm saying? Control over their distribution, their product, their brand, their image. Like you'd be able to have more control and be more of yourself. But what you'd have to give up is this illusion that, um, that larger thing is actually better than um, what you're participating in right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And I do. so, yeah, because it, cause it just feels like, oh, um, you know, it feels better to say that you're, you know, aligned with whatever top mainstream artist. Like, that sounds like it's really amazing. But in real life, a lot of the... Um, a lot of artists, they aren't really moving units. You understand what I'm saying? Like, even that part is, like, all an illusion. Like, the the the, the it's an illusion of, like, moving units. You feel me? Yeah. I, I just, I wish we could exist in a world where the consumer rushed to hear a, a variety of things versus, like, they would be upset if they looked up in the last five songs they were told to love all included talking about sex. Like, they would be like, what is this? Like, these are six songs that are about the same thing, which are sex. And they were like, no. Like, we want to hear this person 
We want to hear this person and we want to hear this person because none of them are talking about sex. Well, you well, we could start a campaign like that. We shouldn't. Yeah. I we, remember we need to make it cool. It is okay. Like it is okay for you not to reveal how you are in bed. I think it's actually more sexy. Well, I guess it's like not necessarily wanting to police like what's out there already. I don't want to police it. Yeah, but it's more like, okay, I'm just how do we ideas. let people know that other things exist, right? <laughs> and so that's what I'm saying. Like, if you go to Japan, right? If you go to Europe, like America is, America in the hood is pretty much the only place that is um, where, where, where people are like limited. You know what I'm saying? But, even in the hood, you know what I'm saying? You get with, you know, a lot of young folks and they have, you know, ways that they're listening to like new music. I, I spoke at U of M like a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I asked like that whole group, you know, how do you all listen to new music? Well, those young people, you know what I'm saying, college age. So what are we talking like 18 to about 22? And basically all of them were like, oh, well, I listen to uh, when I want to hear new music, I'm going to listen to SoundCloud or I'm going to listen to um, Apple Music or Spotify. And I'm like, wow, because those are just like three of even like well-known platforms. Like what are other platforms that people are listening to music on? There's other platforms that exist. So I think like moving forward in the information age, you know what I'm saying? Like we'll be able to, well, we already have access to have all types of new music, all types of, um, you know, access to have uh, new artists, like, at our disposal. I don't want to say disposal, but at, at our uh, – available to us. And so I think that um, what really needs to be promoted is that there's other stuff that's out there. Because there's because people always say, where's all the women, you know, MCs? And, and there are there. there's hundreds, there's thousands of – Women globally. Shout out to No Name that'll be in Detroit first week of January. Hey, No shout Name. Out to, shout out to Chelsea Reject who's from Brooklyn. Shout out to Cash Daughters from Detroit. Like, even though I won't, I won't, I don't know hardly any of the name of her albums. Just <laughs> the fact that she's pushing the limit and trying to curb, a, you know, a, you know, Kurt. Hey, I'm not saying that listening to Cardi B talking about sex has not been empowering at moments. Not saying that. I'm just saying I, I like to I like to divert. You I want like some to diversify our portfolio. Variety. We, I've heard women talk about some of the most interesting things. Shout out to you, I, listeners. If you haven't noticed, we've given you a taste of the women in hip hop mixtape that Piper put together at the top of the year. I mean, and it's talking about women talking about as the young kids would say, being in her bag. You know, really talking about self care and. You know, we got women who are talking about the their environment. You know, we got women talking about uh, their abuse encounters. I mean, women have stories to tell, too. You know what I mean? And I'm not even just putting it all on women, you know. Well, you I mean, know, it's not about just, putting things on women. You, you know, know. I, w- I would say, well, thanks for the shout out. And shout out to Mahogany yeah. Jones, who um, curated that mixtape. Like, that was real dope. And shout out... To the men who support women, yeah. shouts out to P Groove for doing all the, um, you know, the engineering on mix and mastering on that, and you know, Hypnotic Records. So I would say honestly that there is a whole 
world, a whole ecosystem of music out here, of audiences out here. We're not limited. No, we're no longer limited to just listening to, you know, a couple of different avenues for us to get music from. Um, there's YouTube. I mean, right, right. There's so many places to like look for new music, new artists. One thing that we do, thanks for the shout out, where we found hip hop. Yeah. Um, we decided to do um, a women in hip hop mixtape. And the women in hip hop mixtape is so that folks will be able to hear a curated, um, hear, hear music that's curated uh, by us and, you know, artists that we feel need to be heard by, you know, bigger artists. Yeah. I would say that with the women in hip hop mixtape, that's been a really wonderful learning experience. We offer it on SoundCloud right now. And um it's beautiful too. We're gonna do another one. Thank you. We're gonna do another one for twenty nineteen. And that one we will offer on um multiple platforms and we will continue to do it. Um eventually I already I could see sorry, eventually yeah. I didn't cut you off. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying like uh I can just visualize the visuals for that project. Like, I mean, yeah. you can tie in some hint, hint, some That's of the stuff next. you were talking about earlier. Like, you That's can tie next. in some crazy stuff with that. That's that next. It's, listen, it, there are people who are like, oh, all these girls want to be rappers. That's what they're supposed to want to do. Like, that's why I love hip hop. Like, it's okay yeah. for women to be competitive and be inclined to want to do something because another woman is doing it and for her to feel like I can do that too. Like, Well, women also need messages, right? Yeah. I mean, women want, you know, hip hop is one of the biggest genres. Women want to hear empowering messages for themselves. Yes. And yet, you know, it takes variety. And like you said, on our mixtape, we've got, you know, women talking about self-care, like a whole song about self-care. Yes. Right? Like a whole song about like the domestic violence that she encountered, mm -hmm. like a whole song simply about elevation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, a whole song about mindfulness, like a whole song. And, and it's like every single song, all the, you know, a whole song about feeling good about yourself. So there's like, do we have 16 songs on there or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. And basically all the songs on there, are it's a variety of women but all the artists are strong all the music is strong all the beats are amazing if you go on soundcloud just look for we found hip-hop and there's two mixtapes on there the first one the album and then the second looks, one because it's so cool well it's awesome because the young people helped us create that album cover it's a fist with like nail polish <laughs> <laughs> with like bright color nail polish i love it and um, it's like a, a woman playing the turntables and like that. a B-girl and two big speakers and a record player, you know, and a spray can. So the youth made it is really cool. And we really appreciate it. It's all dedicate, dedicated to all the elements of hip hop. I would say, too, What's that, that? Um, what's important is that uh, like so that's one mixtape, right? Mm hmm. But there's different women that have, mm -hmm. you know, awesome music. You know what I'm saying? Globally, like Princess Nokia. I love her. Shout out. Um, you got Georgia Ann Muldrow, mm -hmm. music producer. They call her the 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 female Dilla. You know, 
Um, you've got, you know, well, I actually had a phone conversation with Soleil, who was a solo artist. Was she married to Genuine? She used to be married to Genuine. Mm-hmm. Then she went on her own and was doing a lot of spiritual healing. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. She got remarried too, I think. She's now married to Professor Griff from Public Enemy. So that's who that, that's who, oh my God. Okay, I didn't make the connection. Yeah, so she's actually does like yoga and healing and meditation. And she has a new project that just dropped. It's really cool. The video is incredible. And I mean, the music is very inspiring and uplifting. And mm-hmm. then, and when she goes around, she speaks and things like that. I mm-hmm. mean, we got to try to get her here for 2019. Let's do it. For women in hip hop, we gotta try to get Georgia and Muldrow here. Let's do it. I mean, and then there's Tony Tony Blackman. Tony Blackman, um, is I'm gonna call her like one of the mothers of this movement. Her movement is rhymes like a girl, and it's all about she teaches freestyling. So she goes. She's a one of the ambassadors for the United States, and she travels all over the world. And she teaches folks how to freestyle and jump into freestyle cipher. That's so cool. And it's not so that everyone can be a, a rapper or an MC. It's so that folks can learn how to get free, how to use their throat chakra, how to release, how to heal, how to use their words. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How to value themselves. And um, she also has a music project that she put out. It was like the 16 days project that she put out. Super incredible project, super powerful project. It's it's kind of like rocks mixed with soul, mixed with but hip hop is all those things. It is. Yeah, Tony Blackman, super amazing. Rhymes like a girl. We got to get her here. Let's do it. Oh my god. I mean, so women in hip hop is so. There's Martha Diaz. So Martha Diaz. Martha Diaz. She basically created like hip hop, the hip hop scholar. She's the reason that people are in Harvard University. She's the reason that people are are able to study, you understand what I'm saying, hip-hop and hip-hop literacies and get their mm. um, degree. She's the one who was able to get hip-hop to be taken seriously um, as something to be studied as a part of culture. And a lot of the hip-hop literacies programs are um, nested within cultural studies, African-American studies, Latinx studies you know, um, multicultural studies, multicultural affairs. And her organization is called the Hip Hop Education Center. And that's what it's about. Initially, it was about connecting known hip hop artists with universities and creating Mm -hmm. archives and and writing and books and learning and connecting folks to schools. And now that's expanded to her creating curriculum and programs throughout multiple universities, both Ivy League, state universities, regular universities, public universities, so that hip hop as a culture could be studied, archived, you know, and valued in that way. So shouts out to Martha Diaz. Shouts out. She also produced well the Nas film. She also produced the Nas film. What? Yeah. I think I I think I um I, I think you told me that. I think you told me that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Raquel Cepeda, she's a, a film producer, amazing writer and film producer, Latinx, Black, ten, black Teen X. <laughs> and she actually um, 
produced the film Bling. Have you ever heard of that film Bling? Mm-mm. So there's a film that folks need to see. It's called Bling. The soundtrack, one of the songs is Kanye West. Remember that song, um, Diamonds Are Forever? Oh, of course. Top 10 favorite. Kanye. He That song was in that film. Mm. Basically, the film is a documentary. You remember Tego? He does reggaeton music. Yeah. Well, Tego, Puerto Rican, Boricua, um, you know, black, black Tino. He, <laughs> he's one that. of the top reggaeton stars. She took him. You remember Pow Wow with the grill, white boy mm-hmm. with the Southern grill. She took him. And you know Raekwon the chef from <laughs> Wu-Tang? And she took him. And basically, them plus one of the ex-child soldiers from Sierra Leone. And they go to Sierra Leone. You know about Sierra Leone? Mm-hmm. Blood diamonds. So that's where, the, yes, the blood diamonds. So she takes them because basically it's to have the hip hop community come face to face with what purchasing blood diamonds actually does to real human beings. And so the beginning of the film, she goes to, you know, Tego's home in, in Puerto Rico where he's from and he shows them like El Barrio, you know what I'm saying? Like this is where I'm from, you know what I'm saying? These are my people. This is my plight. Then they go to like where Paul Wall's from in the South and he shows his diamond maker guy and like, you know, where he comes from. And then you go to Long Island, a strong island Mm -hmm. to where Raekwon the chef is from. And he takes you through the projects and shows you the plight of black folks and where he came from. And so that's like the whole first part of the film. And they talk about their stories and... There's a part in there where they each kind of say that oh, yeah. people don't um don't want to see reality. People don't want to see the ghetto. People don't want to recognize them and they feel invisibilized. So they go to Sierra Leone and when they're in Sierra Leone, they get to meet people from the villages and from the towns. One of the villagers tells a story. It's all like all the men are like gathered together at night to like have a beer and meet these stars that they love. And when they have the beer and they talk to them, they tell the story about how when they were having their civil war, that one of the things that the guerrillas, like guerrillas and like soldier guerrillas, that they didn't have typical uniforms like the fatigues, that they wore Tupac shirts. And so for them, they were afraid of Tupac because it represented the opposition. Mm. And whenever they saw Tupac coming through, it was like these warriors wore these Tupac shirts and they came through like chopping people up. And that for them, Tupac represented this horrific, you know, figure, you know. But at the same time, some of them you know, kind of worship Tupac because he also represented this revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So I found that pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I was two sided. Yeah. So there was that. Then they, the child soldier took them like to different places and he was kind of like their guide and their interpreter. He took them to meet one of the places where 
the guerrillas had gone through the village and basically would just like rape women in mass. So they would chop up the village with a machete and they would take little girls as young as like eight years old and, you know, and rape them. And and the soldiers would do this. And this is like child soldiers and teenagers and all that. And they would take the women and they would just rape them. And so when they were doing recovery, there was like a home because many people's families had been murdered. And so a lot of these young girls were like without parents and they were put into this kind of orphanage like home for the girls. And there was a scene where Paul Wall gave them all Nikes. And it was just a scene like, what the, you know what I'm saying? Like, wait, wait, was that Tego or Paul Wall? It was Paul Wall, I think, gave them all Nikes. Like, he was like, I can hook y'all up with Nikes. And that part was kind of like, what the, because, you know, African, and, and I don't want to say like Africans, like all Africans are like a monolithic like culture. But I'm going to say Africans as a culture in the sense of this is like a thread that runs through many African cultures. Is that we you've, that you've noticed? We 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 celebrate everything. Everything's a celebration. Like we dance and clap for everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just like a thing that we do. And even us as American Africans, we 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 have this. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like if we got some food and we think that food is cool, we'd be like, ah, I got some food. Ah, I got some food. We start doing it. I got some food dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like a thing that we do. It's part of the culture that we keep. So in this one scene, when he gives them all these new Nikes, they start doing this dance. And the dance is like, they doing this beat, like making this beat and doing this twerk and doing this dance. Like Nike, 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 Nike. And it kind of made you feel kind of menstrually like, what the... But then at the same time, it's like you had to back yourself up off of how you felt. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To like be like, okay, I get that because like I've done that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like two, it's two sides of it. Like really, y'all dancing for some Nikes? You understand what I'm saying? But then at the same time, it's like something so simple as like getting a new pair of shoes can make you feel really good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. So there was that. Um, so then the other side of it, um, well, so, so there was that. So that was both like listening to their story was really difficult. There's a lot of difficult parts in the movie, but listening to their story was very difficult because it was both frightening and frustrating to listen to, upsetting, and just, you, you know, it's systemic and you know that it, at the end of the day, it's all about money and you just look at people who had to suffer like that so that other people could just be fresh. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So there's that. Then he takes them to his village and he shows them his village where he's from. He tells a story about how he used to be a child soldier and he was forced to do all these acts. And he talks about how he had to go through therapy um, because when he became rescued, if you will, and he was able to come to United States, he stayed in this home and, you know, was put through therapy and things like that. And that's how he was able to, you know, move through. And so he talks about how 
you know, they forced them to take these drugs and be high on like this kind of hallucinogenic drug so that they could kill their own people and rape their own people and do all that. And there's a point where Raekwon and some of the other dudes are like, yo, dude, like you did that to your own people. And he was like, I was a victim of the, of being a child soldier. Like it was something I was forced to do. I was a child, you know? You know, that makes, of course, I think about Blood, the movie Blood Diamonds with, uh, what was that, with Leonardo, what's the other guy's name? Mm-hmm. The movie Blood Diamonds with Leonardo DiCaprio? I'm going to look it up. It's literally about that, like, about the village in Africa. It was about Sierra Leone. Yeah. Um, which... Yeah. I cannot believe that I did not watch this movie. Like, I cannot wait to go home and watch it tonight, Blink, tonight. Like, it's literally is like the documentary version of Blood Diamonds. But the hip-hop. Yeah. The hip-hop. The hip, hop, the hip It sounds like it's the hip-hop documentary version of Blood Diamonds. Like, Bro, it's definitely the hip-hop documentary version of Blood Diamonds. Um, and there's so many pieces in this film. One of the most poignant... Wow. Pieces of the film is when they go to this camp. And basically the camp is an amputee camp. And it's a camp camp, like with tents and everything set up. There's an imam over here, like doing kutbah or rather preaching. Um, and he's got like an arm missing. Mm-hmm. With like the mechanical hand, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then the other one is like the Christian, like preacher preaching, mm-hmm. and then he's missing limbs, and then you see babies, babies, like literally crawling on stubs because their arms and legs have been chopped off, because literally the powers that be make everyone, every person. And all the villages go and mine for these diamonds. Mm-hmm. And if they if they don't have the product productivity, they chop off their hands, chop off their legs, chop off their feet. Chop. So you just see all these people with hands and feet and arms and fingers and just limbs and things chopped off. And this is what they did to people. Mass rapes, mass murders. They're just chopping people up. And it's... It's for companies like the De Beers. This is what, you know, they're paying for when, you know, when when people say, like, don't purchase blood diamonds. That's why they're called blood diamonds, because mm-hmm. this is what they're doing to people, to babies, to children. This is oh, terrible no. that they're doing to anybody. Yeah. But it's like really hard. And they show everything. When I'm telling you it's hard to watch, it's the type of thing that, like, in real in real life... You'll never wear a diamond. You'll never touch a diamond if you see this movie. Like, honestly, there was one scene in the film where um, Raekwon was on the bus when they got to the amputee camp. And they had shown everything around the camp. And Raekwon was sitting on the bus about to cry. And the white man is like, come on, Ray." Come on, Ray. 
you got to come on. And he's like, man, I don't want to see this shit, man. This shit is depressing, man. Like, I don't want to see this shit, man. I ain't getting off no bus, man. I'm not doing it. He's like, come on, Ray. These are your people. These are your people. Are you not going to go talk to your people? You're not going to face your people? And he's like, nah, man. Like, I don't want to see this shit, man. Like, that's messed up, man. Like, that's messed up. He's like, Ray, remember when we went to your village, Ray? Remember when we went to your village? Mm -hmm. And we saw your people and you said nobody wanted to look at you. Nobody wanted to look at you. Nobody wanted to see your plight. This is you, Ray. This is why can't you face these people, Ray? And Raekwon looked like he was going to cry. He was like, turn your cameras off. <laughs> but thing that's crazy. Yo, it's so touching. I can't wait to watch. I'm watching this tonight when I get home. But after, after that, you know Raekwon, like in the real world, he denounced diamonds after that. He 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 denounced diamonds after that. He was like, "Yo, like I don't ever want to see like he went on like a a rampage around diamonds." Yeah, that's that's why Kanye came out with that song on on uh, what album was that? Late registration. I mean, yeah, I feel like I mean, like we used to when I had my youth program. No, but that makes more sense now. We used to show them that movie. And the kids, you know what I'm saying, like, were like, wow, I knew nothing about this. Yeah. So I think that's one classic. Shouts out to Raquel Cepeda. Like, that's one classic. That is crazy. Everybody needs to see that film. Watching Everybody needs to show their kids that film. And that's hip hop. That's straight hip hop. Now, that's the realest. That's talking about keeping it real. That's keeping the really real. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I shouldn't tell y'all the end, but I'm going to tell y'all the end. Spoiler alert. No. I can't tell y'all no. the end. Oh, my God. It's the best part. Okay. okay go ahead. All right. Never go mind. Ahead, go ahead. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God, yo. Okay. The end part. They go to. Okay. Do y'all know what's Gory Island? No. Okay. So, Gory Island, they say, is the last place. It's like called a point of no return. So that's where our ancestors, that's the last point where the ships would come in Africa and pick them up. And they call it point of no return because they'll take them there. They never come back. And they will, they will come straight to the U.S. If you go to Gory Island now, they say you can feel the oh spirits on, you know, around everyone that's been. It's a, it's a movie called Sankofa. And Sankofa is all about this woman that went on a trip to Gory Island and how she refound herself, like decolonized herself. What? It's amazing. You got to see it. What's the name of this one? Sankofa. S-A-N-K-O-F-A. Got to see that. It's a classic film about, come and, and it means coming back to Sankofa. I cannot right? wait to watch both of these movies. You got to see this film. Sankofa. I need to write yeah, this down. You got to huh? see it. Um, but Gory Island, people go there to come back to themselves because like I said, it's the, they have the caves there and that's the caves where they would put the Africans on the ship. Oh my gosh. So when you come to Detroit and you go to the Detroit river, right there at Hart Plaza, Mm -hmm. that's the last point where Africans or enslaved Africans ended up in Detroit 
before they went to Canada. So we have the Underground Railroad mm-hmm. where Harriet Tubman brought folks and they would make it to that river, like to Belle Isle and Hart Plaza and all that. There's a statue there that commemorates the enslaved Africans who were headed towards freedom. And basically, there's a lot of souls that are still trapped in the Detroit River because many of our people didn't make it to Canada. And if you go to the Canadian side, there's a statue that's over there is missing it's the same statue, the one that's over here, but it's missing a person to show that everybody didn't make it, right? Unreal, yeah. When you go to Gory Island, there's all those souls because every because some people were like, I'm not getting on that ship, and they killed themselves right there. And when you go to Gory Island, you can actually feel all those souls. So a lot of people say it will drive you mad because you can hear the screams like in the ocean and everything. But in the in the film, they're on Gory Island, but they go to the island part of Gory Island. And it's all full of trash and seagulls. And you just see people in all the trash and seagulls. And the people there, there's these dudes. And Raekwon is going up there because he's Wu-Tang. He's a star. And these dudes are like, you ain't nobody. You're nothing to me. You turn your back on your people. You left us here. You don't you don't care about us. And Raekwon, they was disrespecting him. Raekwon was like, yo, I am you. I'm one of your people. Like, how you see me like this? And and they were like, yo, you turn your back on us. Look at us. You put the camera on us. You just want to show us in filth and garbage. You don't respect us. You know? And that part, too, that was a hard part to look at. But it yeah, that also, just touched my heart. It also touched your heart because it's like, wow, yeah. It's basically, he he was like, you Americans, like, y'all turn y'all back on us. You don't check on us. We living in this filth and this garbage. Y'all living in America. Y'all got money. Y'all got riches. And that's all y'all talk about. And y'all don't care. Look at us. And I was like, wow. And it's, it's almost like a full circle because it was the same way in the beginning of the film when Raekwon took people to his neighborhood, so-called slum. You understand? Mm-hmm. And it was like, y'all don't want to see this reality. It's funny you mentioned it. It was deep, yo. It's deep. But but y'all got to see that film. And yeah, that's an amazing film. It's called Bling. Raquel Cepeda, she did her thing on that. That's hip hop. And that's women in hip hop. Even even the fact to produce a film like that. You understand that's what I'm saying? So leveled. So layered. Ugh, Bro. Can't wait to watch it. I need to stop buying some popcorn. <laughs> Yo, okay, so there's that. What else is women in hip hop? I mean, you got the whole shouts out to all the graffiti movements, the B girl movements. You got like keep rocking you in Toronto, all those B girls that are awesome. You got B girl mama here in Detroit, part of hardcore Detroit crew. You know what I'm saying? You got like just different. I mean, shouts out to Namiki. She's a a graph writer. She writes Native Pride here in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Shouts out to Help. That's another graffiti writer. Ooh, yeah. she, she writes Help Around the City, if you've seen her. There's a there's a mural artist name. Her name is Jasmine. Mm-hmm. She, her, the name of her company is Creative, and she does she does murals in. A lot of her stuff is, she got t-shirts and things where there's uh, young B-girls with Afro puffs that mm. says, we are hip-hop. 
Mm. Yeah, so she she uh she embodies hip hop too. She's very she's in she's from the north end. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I'm talking about. Like the women in hip I mean like the hip hop movement and women in hip hop, it extends beyond just the top ten records. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like mm-hmm. a whole culture. I mean, and you know, part of why we do the We Found Hip Hop is so that we can celebrate and unearth a lot of these artists, but also find support for these artists and like uplift these I artists. Love that. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like honestly, moving into twenty nineteen, we're gonna be doing another mixtape. So Let's we're gonna be looking for it. some more and artists. Can I be an AR? Yeah. All right. We need help with that. Gotta find the best, the best, 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 best. Um, I mean, and also too, you know what I'm saying? We gonna be working on putting together an all woman band. So we're gonna be auditioning musicians. Can I be on a fly on the wall? Can I be a fly on the wall at the auditions? Yeah. Can I just sit there? Definitely. And then you can look at me and I'll not I'll give you a wink if I like the person. Like Right. right. You'd be like, Yeah, it's no, I finish it. <laughs> yeah. So like that's a lot that's of the fun. stuff that you know what I'm saying? This like, is a huge this has been a, such a huge year for women in general. Um Oh my God. And if you want to be a, a a female rapper, please, and you have a story to tell, people are, men are listening. Not that men listening is everything, but I will say men are listening to hip hop, women in hip hop, just like they did back in the day. Like they're really listening. Like, so there is a niche for women in hip hop where, the, whether it be you, are an artist whether it be you are a producer you're a dj but if you want to be a rapper too there is this is the year i feel like yeah and like i said hip-hop is bigger than like just what we've been hearing it's a whole culture you understand what i'm saying it's a whole culture like there's fashion like i said there's like scholarly um entries remember we had kelly and rebecca Yes, I was just thinking about them when you were talking about uh, the uh, the workshop, and you were saying how there were so many uh, academic elites there, and I thought about yeah. them. Like they, they, they were so passionate. Well, you know, their book is coming out. I'm so excited. For yeah, that. and and we're gonna be in their book, and so that's a lot of. Um, I'm actually working on the forward to their book. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome, Piper. Yeah. I mean, and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's interesting, too, because, like, over the last decade, people would constantly say to me, like, women in hip-hop, like, nobody wants to hear a bunch of bitches rap or, like, nobody wants to hear women's voices or what is that? What do you mean, women in hip-hop? Or why are those women still rapping? Aren't they too old for that? Or, like, there would just be... You know, all these different naysayers around. I mean, even when we first started the event, people would, um, the women that were part of it were like, when when we were trying to come up with the name, they were like, you should call it Bitches Ain't Shit. And I was like, wow. And their idea was like that we should have women go around and give like $5 lap dances. And when we would ask women, like, you know, what do you do? It'd be like, oh, I'm just his girlfriend. And then it'd be like, no, nah, you do something because 
you wouldn't be tolerating a space with this many dudes <laughs> listening to all this music calling you a bitch every five minutes if you didn't really love like this music or have something to do with it. And next thing you know, you'll find out that she's a DJ. You find out that she's a music producer. And then you ask her about her music and her boyfriend have her convince. You understand? Because he would be like, oh, she's whack. You're whack. You're not this. You're not that. And it was like, <laughs> initially, we really just existed so that they could have a place to like practice their art and get better. And then the dudes would come to me and they would be like, yo, you know, she's whack, right? And uh, my response would be like, yo, you know, it's an open mic, right? You know, anybody can get on the mic, right? Anybody that's dope, anybody that's whack, anybody can get on the mic. So she has the right to get on the mic and be and be as whack as she wants to be because any open mic anywhere is always full of whack people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Right? That's the nature of the open mic is majority of people are whack. So why can't why can't she get on the mic and suck and be terrible and keep at it and get better? But the point of the matter was a lot of dudes would hit me up and be like, yo, you got a women hip hop night. Why don't you should make a night for men? I'm like, every night is a night for men. This is just every event that we go to is a night for men. And they would act like it was no men allowed. And it was crazy because for the most part, it will mostly be dudes up in the women in hip hop event. That's hilarious. Hilarious. We would get things like, well, eventually we really started to build up and it started to get popular and started to get better. And people would get better and better and better. Then we started getting film crews from around the world that would come and want to tell our story. They'll be like, we want to come here and see what is this women in hip hop that's here in Detroit, like that everybody's talking about. That is so cool. It's so cool. So I'm just, you know, I wish I had capacity to continue to do a weekly open mic, but it's a lot of capacity to continue to do a weekly I'll say that. People open are, mic. are scratching their forearms for it. They're scratching for it. I mean, I would love to be able to do it. Um, it's just, I'm not a capacity to do a weekly open mic. Like, that's a lot of energy. Like, I'm doing so much other stuff that I'm just not at capacity to be able to promote that like it takes a lot to promote that like every single week so now what I'm working towards um we did Detroit's first women in hip-hop conference and concert where we had you know Rhapsody and Mama Soul and the MGTs and Mahogany Jones and um Venus Fly B-Girl Crew and Amaris Sackett um and Mama Square which is also B-Girl Mama so that was really dope. We had um, DJ Stacy Hot Wax. I love that name. That taught all the technology classes, you know, music production and beat making, DJing. We had DJ Linda Carter teaching, you know, Spin Inc. You know, uh, the Music Industry Academy came through teaching stuff. We had um, entertainment attorneys, publicists. We had all type, you know, scholars, all types of folks. DJ Stacey J came and tell her story. 
so many people came. I mean, we had, like I said, um, Ruth Nicole Brown, who's an amazing hip hop scholar, came and shared some of her research, brought her daughter, you know, Aisha Durham, shared her research. These are prominent hip hop scholars that we want to bring back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. saying? So, like, there's so much that we want to do. Um, this kind of stuff takes funding, though. You know what I'm saying? Let's get it funded. We got to get some funding. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we should do. We should do a, a karaoke night. Oh my god, we tried hip hop karaoke once. It did like really well. I'm bad at it. Do you know how? I already got songs that I would do. Oh my god. Um, for hip hop karaoke, um, it was really funny. We had we had like playlists, and then we could do one here. People did like the hip hop karaoke. It's really fun. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Two like, ahead. That's funny. We we actually could. Uh, yeah. I wonder will folks come to. I wonder do people so. It's really important. You know what I'm saying? For us as women to celebrate being women. It's interesting, so. you know, when we talk about like hip hop karaoke, like that's the fun side, right? Mm-hmm. Of hip hop. That's something that we that we bring to hip hop like, oh, that's fun. You know, it's not thugged out, but it's like a way for people to come together, know the lyrics and like have fun. Literally. You know what I mean? Like have fun. We, we did it before. It was super awesome. And uh, somebody else I'd love to bring is um, April Silver. April Silver is an organizer, hip-hop, um, you know, woman in hip-hop. She does social justice, community activism. Mm-hmm. She has a whole program just really empowering folks in community. I definitely want to bring her. She She was one of the leaders that I looked up to. At Howard University. She was okay. at Howard University. They had this organization. It was called Nia Force. And they were kind of like the Black Panthers. And there was like black radicals on campus. And I looked up to them. I wasn't an official member, but I used to go to their meetings. Mm-hmm. And I remember we did protests and stuff. My friend had reminded me how we barricaded our bodies to the administration building. <laughs> My That's friend was hilarious. like, Piper, do you remember that? I was like, oh, wow. Piper was Tyra Banks and higher learning. I was Tyra I- Banks and higher learning. <laughs> we actually barricaded ourselves to the administration building, to the floor. Anyway, we did some wild stuff. But um, it was to get their attention. It was interesting. I was such an activist in college. And I didn't even know I was an activist. I was doing this type of stuff. Didn't even know I was an activist. You were just being Piper. Just being Piper. Um, woman in hip. A woman in hip hop. A woman in hip hop. But April Silver, you know what I'm saying? Like she was one of the leaders there. That like Nia Force helped create these hip hop summits. They were the ones who created Hip Hop Summit. They were the ones who, you know what I'm saying, brought Puffy and made him be accountable to the university and to the students and to make sure that they were giving back, to, that they challenged Russell Simmons and made sure that he was giving back to university and like, you know what I'm saying? So these are people who I look up to who um, pretty much helped shape me in the way I think about things. Also, um, Valisha. So Valisha Butterfield, 
Her organization is called WEEN, Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network. When she first started her organization, she invited me to the table. She used to be with Russell Simmons Hip Hop Action Network. And they used to do a summit, which that organization is pretty much what became Hip Hop Caucus. Okay. Kind of, sort of, you know, which I'm a member of the Detroit chapter. But when she first started WEEN, they were like, at her house and like at her place, and I, she invited me to the table. She had people like Sylvia Roan there, Sylvia Roan, the head of uh, Universal Music. She had like different celebrities there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At the table, she had access to all these amazing people, Ben Chavis, and all these people. And you know, when I first moved to Detroit, I was like, yeah, we need to have a ween in Detroit. But that was like 2008, and some of the other people at the table were like, and eh, Detroit's not a place to like do things. You know, we've got a chapter in Chicago, so we don't really have to worry about Detroit because the Detroit people can just go to Chicago. And I remember being like, oh, but that's like a different culture, and it's five hours away, and we have people. There was one event that was conducted here, but the person that can, that, organized it wasn't like they were from here but they didn't live here so they had all the right key pieces like they had like the top women be at the table to like be on these panels but they weren't rooted in community so nobody showed up so they had you know like the right room they had the right the right panelists like Mm -hmm. they had all the right women but it was literally like no one attended and it was because they just weren't rooted in the community and didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And by the time I found out about the event, it was literally like the day before. And they were like, oh, well, can you help promote it and come down? And I'm like, eh, Detroit don't really work like that. You know what I'm saying? New York is different. Like you could promote something the day before and it'd be packed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the next day. But Detroit is like, people have like real jobs. People have to get off work. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you can't just call off work the next day. It's just a different place. You know what I'm saying? And it's not the type of place where you could just be like, y'all coming tomorrow? And then blame the people to be like, oh, you ain't come. You know, I invited you. You ain't come. Why ain't the media here? Why ain't the press here? It's like, that's a job. That's a marketing PR job. Like, you have to send a press release. Like, you know, somewhere between one to three months in advance to like get on their radar so that you can get into their publication. You have to have that relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. you have to get into the right hands so that folks are like letting other folks know you might have to spend a little bit of money in some of these, you know, advertising, you know, in some of these publications so that people can find out about it. Like you might have to do it, pay for a street team to like go to where all these different, Events that are relevant to your crowd, you may need to spend a little money to pay some people to be out there and pass out flyers and talk to folks, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's just more work in it than just being like, throw it on Facebook and be like, y'all come tomorrow. You feels me? So that's just interesting. And then there um, is another org, you know, the Black Girls Rock. And I remember, you know, that's on BET. When Black Girls Rock first started, that was uh, Michaela Angela Davis and Beverly Bond. They started that 
over Michaela's house because those conversations, they invited me to those first conversations. I used to be a part of those initial conversations where Michaela was concerned about her daughter. That was during the first downturn, if you will, where we started noticing like the images of women in hip hop and what were those saying to young girls? And she was like, what is this message saying to my daughter? At the time she was the um, editor in chief of honey magazine. Shouts out to um, Karen Mayo and um, uh, uh, Oh my God. How do I forget her name? <laughs> um, from honey magazine. Oh my God, I'm going to look it up. So long story short, um, Honey Magazine was a hip hop magazine that was dedicated to women in hip hop. Jocelyn. So shout out to Joycelyn. Joycelyn. So shout out to Kierna and Joycelyn who started Honey Magazine. When Honey Magazine first started, Joycelyn came to me because I was part of the whole Brooklyn cultural, you know, community, arts community at that time, doing photography. And she asked me to support by helping her, you know, with some photography because she wanted to get some funding to do this magazine. So literally what I did was I took a bunch of photos that I had. I gave them to her. And our deal was that when the magazine, when she got the money or if and when she got the money to do the magazine, I could shoot the covers and like a fashion story on the inside once a month. That's so cool. Well, when she got the money, um, she hired this other photographer, John Manion. I was so hurt because the first issue featured Lauren Hill. And I was such a Lauren Hill fan. And I was so hurt because I was like, wow, she reneged on her promise to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I gave her this, all these pictures that she used to put together to make a magazine that she was able to get the money for. And then when the money came through, she chose not to hire me like at all for like, I think maybe the first like couple of years. And that hurt me so bad. Like, it's nothing against Jonathan Mannion. Like, that's my homeboy. We came up together. He was assisting um, Richard Avedon, and I was assisting Stephen Klein, two top major photographers. And me and him would both ride the train and talk to each other about our hopes and dreams. And he made it because he was a, he shot all the Jay-Z album covers, and he did most of the, like, hip-hop stuff. So shouts out to Jonathan Manny, and it's no slight oh, towards oh. him. It was more like I was more hurt that Jocelyn had like reneged on her promise to me because I was like, "Wow, you had promised me," you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I and I did feel at the time that the photo that Jonathan Mannion did of Lauren Hill was kind of like not really his best work because he's an amazing photographer, mm-hmm. but I feel that he's really amazing with men and just like okay with women and I felt like my strong suit was black women and I felt like oh man like but oh my god I was just there waiting and when I saw the cover I was like are you freaking kidding me and it just was so painful and it was like ah 
You know, it just felt like, oh my God, I got beat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They eventually hired me like maybe two or three years later. But in all honesty, I think the only reason they hired me was because um, they had owed Jonathan Mannion like a bunch of money and he wasn't going to shoot for them again. And I remember my friends telling me like, why would you shoot for them? And they did you so dirty. But I was thinking like, you know what? I just want to shoot women. I just want to shoot black women. And I love hip hop. And I have been doing all this stuff like Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and like all these magazines that I just, white magazines. And as my grandma say, them skinny little white girls, I wanted to shoot my people. And at the time, I had never been hired by Vibe. And I had not yet been hired by Essence. And it was no, I had no black clients. Like, literally all my clients were, like, these really high-end white fashion magazines. And it, and I felt, like, such an amalgamation because I felt like, why am I a black woman with all this talent and vision, like, literally begging black magazines to allow me to shoot black people and, like, being denied? And why do all these top high-end white magazines love me, love my talent, and, like, my own people don't don't want me? I'd had that kind of, you know, feeling Man. for a minute. It was real painful. But like I said, eventually, um, I mean, I never got hired by Essence, actually, until I moved to Detroit. And I actually posted about that. But um, I actually was photographed by essence when i moved to detroit and i i will shout them out because they did name me as um uh it was they named me as one of the most what they say the one of the most beautiful women in america and i was like oh wow that's quite an honor that is and they showed all my little my little natural beauty products that i use to stay natural (laughs) (laughs) speaking of which i saw you over the weekend in a post my coworker was like oh my god there's this amazing girl at the rust belt and she sells natural, beautiful products. And she was like, show me your Instagram. And I was like, is that Piper? She's like, wait, you know her? And That's like, funny. That, yeah, I do with the podcast with her. <laughs> you said what? You're like, I do the podcast with yeah, her. Yeah, it was hilarious. She was like, what? You know what I'm talking about? Some Yeah. That I um, yeah, that her, you know, I have her products and she's going to kill me because I can't remember the name of her company right now. But it's really, she does a really... um amazing product that she used to sell over here at the North End. Okay. Oh, that's what she used to sell it? But that closed down. Okay. Actually, that sister opened back up a little bit more down on Woodward, more in Midtown. Um, And, yeah, I think she's already open, but... um. Yeah, what is the name of her product? Okay, we're gonna find it. We should bring. We're gonna bring her on here. Shout out to her. We're gonna bring her on her twenty. We're gonna be both of them on here twenty nineteen when this is over. Yeah, but it's just really interesting. Um, you know that when I moved to Detroit, finally, you know what I'm saying. Like Essence asked me to shoot for them, and they photographed me. So I was like, okay. But now, you know what I'm saying. I have like. My own magazine that I'll be launching in 2019, yeah. all about sustainable fashion. So, you know, I've learned to turn those types of pain 
into projects. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Disappointments get turned into projects, you know, get turned into ideas and projects. It's like taking that anger and that frustration and being like, hmm, I'll just produce something myself and put it out. Why not, Piper? I, I do. deserve that. And, and you know what's interesting? We had a conversation earlier about distribution when you were saying how come, you know, these mainstreams don't feature these women. And part of it is because there's an agenda. Part of it is because there's payola. You know, it's all boils down to money. And part of it is relationships, like who owes who. So whoever's coming out with a project, obviously the folks that have those relationships are going to have like priority. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so for the independent, you know, you're never going to be prioritized the way the folks that's in these circles and in these industries are going to be prioritized in terms of folks taking you seriously to like fund your project, support your project, get behind you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, we would like to have these conversations about talent and professionalism and blah, blah, blah. But in real life, like the way that the industry is right now, you don't have to have talent. You don't have to have professionalism. In real life, you just really need to have connections. And, you know, that mainstream needs to vouch for you. And they vouch for you because you're in the in crowd. You understand what I'm saying? It's someone there that someone else trusts for someone to to give the green light to say go. And you could sit around and wait for that to be your destiny and your fate. Or you could, what I've chosen to do is be proactive. And I'm not waiting for folks to, you know, bless me. I'm not waiting for folks to decide that they think I'm valuable. I have to be self-determined. I've chosen to be self-determined. I've chosen to create my own avenues, my own distribution, my own ways. I've chosen to leverage the relationships that I have to be able to create opportunities for myself. I've chosen to forge alliances with people that I trust that who, who, who to me have a, a product and an integrity that I value. And I just think that um, if I was to sit around and try to wait, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe I'd be, I don't want to say I'd never be there. I will say that I'd have to make a lot of compromises that um, I would maybe be uncomfortable with. Mm. Just for me as a person regarding my values and integrity. Mm. And I feel like I am not greedy. You know what I'm saying? I, I want enough to be able to live off of and have a, a life, a healthy life that sustains me. And to be able to do the art that I want to do and bring forth into the world. The ideas that I see are necessary and needed. Mm. The ideas that I want to do, the creativity that I want to bring. And it is more of a struggle. It is a little bit more difficult to be independent. It is difficult to find funding for all these projects. It is difficult to um, create a product with just the resources that you have to make it 
as valuable looking, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. as these other products or to be able to sit alongside these other products that are out there so that when people are making choices, they can make yours as a choice and feel good about it. Like that in and of itself is a lot of work. Mm. But I will say it's very rewarding work. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. It's very rewarding work. And no, it's not the type of work at this point where, you know, you're going to make the same numbers as you would if you were with one of the big boys, if you say. But I would say you will have a lot of longevity because over time what happens is when you build from the ground up, you actually build a more authentic, what I would call grassroots following and support system. It's people who actually like you because of what you're, what you actually are and what you're bringing. They follow you, they follow your growth and they're really following along with what it is that you have to offer. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And when you move in that kind of way, that's, that's something that like, I hate to say that people can't take that away from you. But think of all the people that you follow and you actually authentically enjoy and like. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone comes to you and say, such and such is whack, you're going to be like, are you crazy? I love blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because that's something that you actually love. And when things are kind of like, what do you call it? Is it called like a straw house when stuff is just kind of like all this marketing and all this hype? I call that like the kind of top songs that's kind of hot for like a minute. And then it's like it bangs in the club. But like if you hear that song past the life of it being like a banger, like you don't ever want to hear that song <laughs> because they have banged you over the head. With that song, like, so much to the point where you actually realize, like, you know what? I don't like this song. Like, I actually don't like, like, like they had me with the marketing to make me think that I actually like this song. But I actually realized that I don't like this song at all. And so I think that, like, with that or using the inverse logic of that is the idea that doing this on the grassroots and this is related to women in hip-hop, you know, our original conversation. Mm-hmm. Doing all this stuff on the grassroots, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is more difficult to build your following and your audience. It is more difficult to build people that are going to give you allegiance. It is more difficult to find funding. It is more difficult. Like, all these things are more difficult. But at the end of the day, once you actually you know, get past those kind of growing pains and get to those points where you start to see some growth, those are the people that are loyal. They're going to stick with you. And, and, and those are the people that, you know what I'm saying, will sustain you. Because yep. you're sustaining them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're sustaining them with your message, with their art, with their vision, with their passion. You know what I'm saying? I so do. I do. I, I totally 100% agree. Reminds me of my favorite person. Who? I'm joking. <laughs> was trying to tell Kanye, but I understood what Kanye was saying, though, for real, for real, about the distribution of shoes. Like, right. If you want your shoes distributed, it's only so many people that do the distribution. At that, at that, at that, 
large scale. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the point I'm making that's where Sway was right in the conversation is, is like, he goes to Kanye, well, Kanye, why don't you just start your own house, nigga? I was like, house Sway. Right. <laughs> but that's, the, I understood the concept of what Sway is saying. Like, we're, especially in 2000, that was like in 2000, I don't know, 13. Something like that. It's just so a little bit different. And fashion is a whole, you know more than me, is a whole different conversation. But with hip-hop, we in the day and age of, if you want to do something, do it. Get it done. Get it done. Not to say that there isn't a process, that you won't run into those things. You got to start somewhere. You got to jump into the water. Yeah. And also, too, just remember, payola is real. (laughs) People keep saying it's not. Why do you think they put it in every single movie? Right. Payola is real. You know what I'm saying? So they try to they try to keep saying, no, it's, there's no such thing. Nothing to see here. But payola is real. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're not in those rooms and those conversations and those relationships and folks haven't brought you into the fold, then, you know, you just going to be on that hustle grind. Right. The gristle. Yeah. Getting the grizzly grizz grizz. You Piper, know what I'm saying? Piper, we just got it in. We just got it super we in. Gotta, we got to go stop by and see Kari. We got to go to his party. birthday, right? Okay. His birthday is in two days, I think. It's his birthday. On the 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. It's going to be in his birthday on 23rd. Okay. So we can end this one. All right. This was cool, huh? Yeah. Peace. So wait, girl. Are you going to say peace to people? You like peace? Tear this off! I gotta give me some chicken. <laughs> I don't eat chicken. I know, I'm just picking. <laughs> I love y'all. I love all y'all. Yeah. Well, this has been. We're gonna end because Brittany's like, listen, I gotta get into some Kwanzaa. No. So... <laughs> <laughs> Do you so, put? Wait, you put decorations up? No, me neither. Um, no. I do. I do do my own. Kwanzaa celebration at home. Though. I go to other people's too. I go to all my families. Yeah, I have so much family. I don't even have to worry about. It. I love one per day. I, d- I like. I I personally enjoy celebrating the principles. But I do too. I grew up doing it, so you know. Yeah, it's we, turned into Black Christmas for me. Kwanzaa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all right. Well, this has been the Piper Carter podcast, and we hope that you enjoy this holiday season for you. This celestial solstice this new year this preparation for all that is to come and we're grateful and thankful for you guys sticking it out with us all this time for supporting us and we're looking forward to having way more discussions and conversations meeting new people in the 2019 Love you guys. Detroit is different. Piper Carter Podcast. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher. Remember doing this for no fun. Time well spent. Go on and keep your refund. I'm nobody's pilgrim. Go on and run them reruns of different strokes for different folks. Why? Because some do it for the income. Don't do this for the money. Because trust me, I would have been done. I'm going to do this till I'm bloody and muddy. Call it my long run. Call it my ransom. Call it your anthem. Swoosh. Go in and make that and one. Just do it. Go ahead and pursue it.
it Chase it like it was true Cause it actually is It's too many doofus With too many excuses That's why this music Seems to be just making us useless We all gagging and lollying Too busy polying Polytricking forbidden When infants are left lying in Urine and feces Question where that peace be Peace be Too quiet, too chill Peace be Too calm and too still Cause everybody nowadays Got a license to ill And everybody nowadays Got a license to kill Kill, 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 kill Murder, murder Blood spill, spill, spill So they service Cold plates or cold cases And we've been waiting Putting out water for justice We wonder what the taste is Heard she was blind Never thought she was faces Never thought she was racist How come the ones who's supposed to keep us The safest they chase us They used to use some hoses But nowadays they just haze us Nothing seems to face us Reality's not reality Till it's on the stage Cause, cause We all exhibitionists Everybody's courageous Everybody's the bravest Until it's time for action We all crying out save us Crying out to God And calling all kinds of favors Do we actually believe Based on our behavior The end time's upon us We all gonna need a savior Listen I'ma do it till his kingdom come Do it till the work's done Do it till it's not fun That day I'll never come Do it till I see it through Do it till I'm see-through Phantom of my own opera No musical make visible The invisible God's point of view With it without residuals This is my cue Stay up on the real culture of Detroit By tuning in to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network Weekly Music, art, business, comedy And never before told stories from the people of Detroit